Good morning, everyone. This is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm sitting in today for Tim Grady, who uh, is on a sojourn to Wisconsin because I understand that they don't have enough milk milkers or cow milkers. So he went there to help them out. Uh, only kidding, he's off with a family reunion, which is always a good thing to do. So Nancy Lamaster, you got me today. That's great. We'll have a good discussion. Well, thank you much. Uh, so your report came out and uh, the numbers are all over the place. So why don't you uh, start uh, by giving us some insight into that? And we'll have a discussion about okay. the same. Sounds good. Well, let's kind of start with what was going on with activity in the hospital, because as you said, it was a little mixed. I mean, we're still very much in growth mode. 27 months, the, the uh, PMI, the hospital PMI has been in growth, 53.5, but it was a little slower this month down from 54.9, uh, so 1.4%, 1, 1 not, not bad. The business activity was also down some at 54.5 versus 57.5, uh, so 3%. But what was strong was new orders. And in the hospital, that's people scheduling to come in for procedures. So, so that's a good thing. It was up at 59 versus 52.5. So that was a big growth. So that tells me there's there's demand out there for hospital services. So and this means, are, are you referring to uh, elective surgery as a result of a downturn in COVID? Absolutely, Lou, that mm -hmm. is exactly. Even though I'm hearing that COVID is beginning to chip its way up again. Yeah, so what we're seeing is the positivity rate, the Omicron variant is, is very contagious and the positivity rate is up. But with the antiviral treatments that are available now, we aren't seeing as many hospitalizations. But where it is impacting is in that business activity number, which is impacted by a couple of things. We hear from the comments and from my colleagues that we have an increased number of patient cancellations because the patients are getting COVID. So they're not needing to come into the hospital for COVID, but their elective procedures have to be put off and it's impacting staffing. So when right. you look at the employment number, I know you saw that, that was a very you know, negative number. It went into contracting at 47, down 3%. What we're hearing and seeing is that the hospitals are constrained in terms of the amount of volume that they can treat, not because the beds are filled with COVID anymore. That's, that's really going down. The demand for elective procedures is there, but we don't always have the staffing and the capacity to take care of that demand. So we're kind of stretching it out. So I've been uh, hearing some of the talk about the fact that uh, uh, nursing uh, career nurses are beginning to say, I've, I've had enough, I'm retiring. And then in your comment section of the report, there was uh, one individual who talked about a hiring freeze, which I thought was rather strange. Do you have any comment on that? I do. So one of the things that you're seeing, and you, it, the, also what wove it in the comments is, there's tremendous pressure on hospital margins. So the volume is there, the revenue, but the increase of labor cost and supply cost is eating away at the margins. And there were actually two comments on hiring freezes that we haven't seen since April of 2020. So mm -hmm. what that tells me is in 
what often happens in hospitals is they're not putting a freeze on the clinical staff, the nurses and the, yeah. but they're, they're trying to put a, a freeze on the back office staff, like the supply chain staff or finance or accounts payable um, to try and manage this, this strain on their profitability. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and, and with uh, regards to supply chain, uh, and prices are going up, uh, I, I presume, as much in all industries as uh, in the hospital world. They are. So we saw this month the pricing index jumped another 7%. So it hmm. went from 70 to 77.5. What was interesting about that, in the hospital report, we actually break that number down. And we look at pharmaceutical pricing and we look at supply pricing. And what was interesting in this report is both of those slowed a little bit. Pharmacy coming in at 53 versus 55 and supply at 67.5 versus 70.5. So we'll watch that. But what it suggests to me is in hospitals, you have a lot of what they call purchase services. So you may outsource your, um, your food service or your housekeeping or you know, services that are labor intensive. So that suggests to me that they're getting a lot of pressure for increased wages on those purchase services, but that yeah. the actual cost of supplies might be stabilizing a little bit, which is a little bit consistent with what we heard in the, in the uh, manufacturing report, that there were right. some commodities that were starting to stabilize in terms of price. How is uh, monkeypox uh, affecting uh, the, the hospitals now? So in terms of monkeypox, um, it has a different effect on the hospitals. You know, the hospitals are working very hard to supplement the efforts to get people vaccinated. So they have may have clinics, outpatient areas, they may be supporting uh, community healthcare clinics. At this point, that disease does not tend to result in hospitalizations. It's a very painful disease. It's something we absolutely want to get under control, but it's not having a direct effect on their volume. Where it may be having an effect, again, is on some of the staffing, you know, depending on how those hospitals work with their community health centers to help get those vaccinations out there, as well as get the word out to at-risk populations that they need to get vaccinated. One thing I haven't heard, and I, I don't know if this is... Uh a relevant question or not, but I'll throw it out at you. Um, COVID and monkeypox, are we beginning to see any uh, joint disease in the same person? At this point, I've not heard of any of that. I mean, it theoretically would be possible, right? They're two separate viruses. They're not connected. Right. Um, so somebody could have one and get the other. It's it would be a, a kind of a strange coincidence, but there's no relationship between these mm -hmm. viruses at all. They're totally uh, different kinds. Okay, okay. Uh, so what are some of the other uh, comments from your responders uh, uh, saying okay. what's going so let's, on? Let's talk a little bit about the supply chain part of what's going on in the sure. hospitals. Sure. So supplier deliveries, um, improved. They came in at 53.5 versus 59.5. The comments were very mixed. There were, there were probably half that said they thought things were improving somewhat. They had a little optimism and about half that said things are still pretty, pretty um, rocky. 
And the inventory numbers suggest that the people who think things are, are rocky and are concerned um, maybe have the, are, are the stronger. So when we looked at the inventory number, the past three months, we had started to see hospitals burn down their inventories. They, they you know, built them too high with PPE at a concern. But this month, inventory jumped 10% from 40 to 50. And, and that's concerning because the inventory sentiment says the inventory is still too high, 59.5. So what's going on there is that there are a segment of products that the hospital supply chain professionals are becoming increasingly worried about, and they're beginning to build inventory again. So um, I think, you know, the comment where it talked about as soon as we get one, one product category under control, we get a shortage in another, that's kind of coming into play. And we're seeing a lot of uh, pressure on resins, plastic products. Um, things are getting better. Contrast media was, was a huge shortage due to the fact that the majority of it is produced in Shanghai, China. And when they shut down, over 50% of the US supply was cut off. Um, that is getting better, but we're just seeing these ongoing shifting shortages, which is causing people to build um, inventory again. Aren't we better off with too much rather than too little? in view of what happened at the beginning of COVID? You know, that, that's definitely an argument you could make. I think that we are in this process of trying to find the happy medium. Too much inventory puts you at risk for product expirations, and then that's wasted money. Um, again, we talked about this pressure in a hospital margin. So if I'm spending it on inventory sitting on the shelf, I can't pay, pay people. So we're constantly fighting to find the happy medium. I don't think we'll ever go back as lean as we were before the pandemic. Um, I think we learned that when every segment of the supply chain is just in time, and then we have a global crisis, we, we just can't react. So I think that the, the medium will be higher. I think that where you see supply chain professionals trying to get educated and get smarter is which products. It's not across the board. And, and then I think also trying to work um, within systems or maybe within communities so that you can rotate that inventory so you don't get a lot of out-of-stock product that then becomes waste. Right, right. By the way, I, I just wanted to mention, and I know I, I neglected to mention it at the beginning of the show, that uh, Nancy Lamaster is the committee chair for the hospital report. So forgive me for omitting that at the beginning. Um, okay, so uh, the, the forward the forward buys and uh, uh, anticipated for. Uh, uh, avoiding shortages okay. is a uh, serious uh, component of the supply chain issue. Right, it is. And it's that fine line between, as you know, if people start hoarding, then they, they cause the shortages. So, you know, again, it's, it's kind of an art and a science predicting how much inventory you have based on what kind of patients are you going to have. So in elective procedures, the the supplies you need are very different than we needed for COVID. Surely, surely. So what do you see coming down, down the pike uh, in terms of uh, the way this report is going to be going? 
Well, I, I think that um, in terms of the volume, you know, I think that we'll kind of start to move into a steady state a little bit higher as we work through people that have, um, you know, procedures they've put off because of COVID. We've got the elective procedures. Unfortunately, when I talk to people that are in the emergency departments, um, we're also seeing the fact that people put off maybe taking care of themselves, preventative care. And so they're seeing an uptick in some heart, uh, heart attacks and strokes and things coming into the ER, which is obviously not a good thing. But I think volume will be, will be stable and I think it'll stay in a growth mode. You know, the supplies, you know, uh, I, I think I'm siding with the slightly optimistic that as we untangle the ports and, and things like that, that that will start to uh, improve with the pricing, but, you know, I don't know that we'll ever, you know, it seems like once we take a huge jump in pricing, you know, it, it comes down very slowly. I think that price pressure is going to be there. You know, the other thing we saw this month, Lou, I know you saw it in the comments, were some comments about the fact that they're seeing uh, at least a perceived decline in the quality of some of the medical devices and an increase in device failure in recalls. And this is a real, real concern. Um, I, there was a report that just came out in the past week looking at the number of medical device recalls for the second quarter of the year versus the first quarter. And those were up 34%. Wow, that's uh, significant. That was a big jump. That was a big jump. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers, 260 versus 268, but each recall can affect thousands of devices. And, and what's the most worrisome is the FDA classifies recalls. And a class one recall is the most severe. That's severe, you know, potential for patient harm or death. And those were up 23 and a half percent month over month. So, um, you know, some of that is we're seeing kind of cumulative effect of, of uh, the FDA really cut back on inspections and uh, enforcement during the COVID period, but they also issued a lot of what they call uh, emergency use authorizations, EAUs. And, and that's, you know, when we're in a pandemic and we need supplies, we have to balance speed, you know, with the need versus the risk that some of those supplies may end up not meeting quality standards. And they saw that quite a bit in some of these, um, particularly the at-home diagnostic tests for COVID. Mm -hmm. So a, a significant number of the recalls were related to those being recalled because they're not effective. Um, and so we're playing a little bit of catch up here um, related to that. And I think that, you know, it's not to say that the emergency use authorization process isn't a good one because we, we need it, but it means that we have to continue to do post-market surveillance, and we need to continue to look at this. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I work on in my other parts of my life is helping improve that recall process that is a very manual process today for medical devices. So I think we're going to see more and more focus on um, getting that quality back up and improving and reducing those recalls because that's a very, um, you know, risky expensive process. Uh, I had a, uh, an occasion just recently to uh, make a visit to a hospital ER here in the New York, New Jersey area. 
Um, and uh, unfortunately, it was uh, an accident that I had, which uh, uh, caused me to go to the ER. And um, I was there from seven o'clock in the evening till four o'clock in the morning. And as a result of that, I was able to talk to some of the people, uh, staff, uh, nursing, administrative people. And I told them who I am and what I do. And don't worry about the bleeding. I, there's a story here, <laughs> which they called to be a, a bit black humor. Yeah. Um, they are in this particular location, which I'll remain nameless. Uh, they're having a serious problem. Uh, not with just admin or back staff, but uh, the back end staff, but with their nursing staff and their uh, pract uh, medical practitioners uh, of trying to keep people on the job. And uh, the nursing schools are having some problems with regards to uh, keeping up uh, uh, students to join uh, join the uh, the team. Um, I don't think that this is a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. Oh, no, Lou, it's not. And it, it was here before the pandemic. I think we have to remember yes. that yeah, the demographics have been changing for a while. Um, labor shortages are not a, a new thing. But, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is that, you know, COVID itself was horrific to deal with. Yes. And then we layered on this politicization of it. And, and you had nurses working to save people's lives and people spitting at them and telling them they were lying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they have gone through the, the whole ED staff and the ICU staff have truly been traumatized. And, you know, I think that we've got a, a double burden here. One is that, you know, the healthcare system itself is really doing a lot of soul searching in terms of how do we provide mental health care for our workers? How do we protect them better? Um, and, you know, I, I look at people and I'm like, you know, we all owe a piece of this. We need to be very kind to people um, and people not being that. And so I think that's a whole dynamic. I think on the positive side, there is the, um, you know, recognition and, and definitely in some parts, you know, a lot of celebration of the heroics that go into being part of the healthcare system. Um, and you see a lot of organizations now really trying to reach down into junior highs and high schools and promote this as a career and promote the positive angle of it to, to bring people in. But you know, this isn't a simple answer. And, you know, if we had one message to all our, our listeners and viewers, it's that we all have to be a part of solving this. You know, we have to, whether it's nurses or teachers or anybody dealing with the public, we need to make them feel welcomed and appreciated, or we're not going to have any people in these jobs and who's going to take care of us. And unfortunately, this just isn't in the world of medicine, this is in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it's running rampant. Um, you know, we do have a slower birth rate in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to manufacturing, we haven't totally solved the problem or the illusion of dark, dirty, and dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, where 
when you come out of school as a welder, you can make a hundred thousand dollars. And if you want to do underwater welding, you can add another fifty thousand on top of that. So we need to educate uh, the people, and in some cases, we have to educate the parents more mm -hmm. than the kids, right. uh, because you know ever there was the time where I my kids got to go to college. I you know I I. I didn't go to college. I should have gone to college. She's got to go to college. Well, maybe you got to go to a trade school. Maybe you got to go to a nursing school. Maybe, maybe you got to re-educate the masses to be aware that we have a major problem in our country. And you know, your point about kindness—that's another one of those major points. We are not really kind to one another as we used to be. And I think that's uh, really a serious problem. And uh, I was very kind to the nurses that took care of my bleeding, right. but they wanted to talk about my wound. I wanted to talk about their job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, see, they were putting you first, just like that's they're right. To do. That's right. And I was putting my job first. There you go. <laughs> Nancy Lamaster, chair of the hospital report. Do you have any uh, final comments you'd like to make? No, I think we, we've seen a, a good month here and we look forward to uh, what next month brings. Okay, uh, either it'll be me or uh, Timmy. I'm sure he'll be done with milking cows in Wisconsin by then. Well, that's a good thing. And we need him I back. Just, you bet. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. And I also suggest for all of our listeners to go to Jacket Media Co., where you can see all of our shows, Manufacturing Talk Radio, Wham, Women in Manufacturing. You can see Hazard Girls, Women in Unusual Professions, uh, and we have a couple of others. Uh, do listen to us. We're regular, and we've got, uh, we're getting some very good listenership, and uh, I want to thank everybody, and thank you, Nancy. Great report. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.